Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. What's happening? Hey, Pete, how are you today? I'm good. I'm just checking out my hair real quick. Why is it? You did not touch your hair. I've been with you for like two hours today. I know. That's and the first time you've done, you, you know, the camera's rolling camera's and instantly, on. boom, to the hair. The camera's on and so my hair, because I know that I have, your hair is short. My yeah, hair yeah. is poof in it at a certain length. Yeah. If I don't watch it, it's all over the place. So this week's show will be on pride. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about <laughs> humbling ourselves. I have, my hair is when it's, uh, it could be like Elvis Presley hair. So like, like it gets really big at sometimes and I can move it and it like waves. It goes, woo, woo, woo you know, back and forth. But right now, the way that I have it, I have it short enough and I like this Isn't length. Is it like the flock of seagulls? What was that thing? I don't know. You know, I, I even have bad, my bushy eyebrows at times. So you know, some, you can cut those. You can have those I, cut. Listen, I cut them and then all of a sudden I look up and they look like a mad scientist all over. <laughs> so I have this little like bag bomb. I don't know if you ever use bag bomb. Oh, whoa, 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 say that again. It's called bag bomb. It's, um, it's used for udders, for cow udders to help the cow udders from chapping. Oh, okay. So I use that for my face. So it's like chapstick. Yeah, so it's a, it's a green can and it's like this and it's that's that's what it's used for. So it's called Bagbomb. This week's episode sponsored by Bagbomb. Anyway, <laughs> so I have like dry skin <laughs> on my face and it's like I've used all kinds of different lotions, but this Bagbomb works, right? And so I also put it in my eyebrows and it helps tame my eyebrows. It makes them shiny. Yeah, well that and it just it it's like a paste. It just pastes my eyebrows down so I can not go crazy. So, yeah. I know what's wrong. Yeah. I can solve your problem right now. Dr. Bob here to the rescue. Yeah. What? You're dehydrated. Drink more water. I drink a lot of water though, <laughs> but you know what? I love that. I just told the whole world <laughs> just using that bomb on my face. And, and they learned about cow udders. I didn't even know you milked cows. They, yeah. <laughs> this is new to me. You're making your no. own cheese and butter now. No, you're that's... just, you're practicing for Armageddon. What, what's yeah. going on here? Yeah. You are no, a prepper. No, I knew you were a prepper at no. heart. I'm going to India in September. Uh-huh. And so I'm practicing for in India, the, the cow is sacred, holy, and you can't kill a cow. So if you that's um, going to make your cheeseburger habit. A yeah, problem. you can't eat cheeseburgers in India because they uh, you get minimum three years in prison for eating beef. That's so we, crazy. You can't do that. You know where else you can't eat cheeseburgers? What? Israel. And you'll find that out if you go on the Footsteps of Moses tour with us in June of 2024. Oh, I didn't know that you, you can't cannot eat have cheeseburgers in Israel. They won't that? put the cheese and the meat together. Really? It's not kosher. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So don't make that mistake. Why do religions do this? I don't know. Religion sucks. It does. It does. Listen, we're not about a bunch of religion here. So anybody that's listening to this show, you'll know right away. We don't talk about I know. They things. saw Christian discipleship and they're like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's not us. Here, religion sucks. Yeah. We'll say it right up front. No, the very definition of what we do is righteous invasion of truth is, is the name, Riot Podcast. But we would like, we take like things that are happening in the world today, or, you know, we unpack, you know, Bible verses like we're going to do in John 16 today, but we want to bring, you know, common sense reality or relevancy to the, the, the what am I trying to say? The context, the current events, the current events, whatever. Yeah. Speaking of which. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that's so what I was going to say. We had another fun. horrific uh, mass murder in Nashville, Tennessee, in a, in a, a private Christian school too, I think. Yeah, Covenant Where Presbyterian a, a Church, past, I think. Past uh, student, grown-up student, 28 years old, decided to shoot up the place. So, um, Yeah, it's just, it breaks my heart because you get people on both sides. They, they just use it for talking. And 
they're not addressing the real issue. It, and what breaks my heart is that for one, it happened. And so yes. there's evil in the world today. And, and I think there was three nine-year-olds that died and, and three adults that died. So I think a total of six, but the, the truth of it is there's evil and evil um, is, is constantly working to um, the, destroy us, to kill us, to rob us, to um, take away our joy. Um, you know, even that's today's topic of our, our show is overcoming our pain with joy. But, and, and that's what breaks my heart is, and then to see these, I can't even imagine my daughter or my son getting killed at school. I can't even comprehend it. Or my, my spouse goes to, you know, goes yep. to teach and their, their, their kid, they're going down. to work and they never get to come home. But you look at the world today. And, and they're talking about, oh, it's gun control, you know, just ban the gun, ban assault weapons, ban this, ban that. And then, or they're, or they're talking about one side is just talking about the, oh, that person's a transgender and that, you know, they, they, they're the problem. They're the issues or whatever. And, and when we say stuff like that, we're, we're, we're showing, you know, when we say it in that way, we're kind of showing our immaturity in the Lord. If we're followers of Christ, we're not, we're not seeing it the way that God sees it. So how does God see this, right? So how does God see this? For one, he hates evil. So he hates that. And and number two, he absolutely loves every single person involved in this crisis circumstance. He loves the shooter. He loves the people that got shot. He loves them equally. He loves them, period. So those are truth, right? Number two is God says, there is an answer to all of this, and that is found in Jesus. Right. And if you want to have um, peace, you want your lives to be changed, you want to have comfort, you want to have wisdom, knowledge, you want to have um, a life that's whole, that's holy, that's fulfilled, that's righteous, that, is, that has purpose, that has meaning, it's always found in Jesus, right? The answer is not ban gun control, ban assault weapons. That's not the answer. Now, can there be measures and protocols and things set up to, to make it hard for certain people to get them? Absolutely. Should there be? Absolutely. But there was, a, there was a reason why our forefathers put that into the Constitution. There was a reason why we have the Second Amendment rights. It's, there's, we're not going to get into it, but there's a context to that. Um, yeah, and, and, it, and it has nothing to do with hunting. So, right. you know, we're not going to do a whole show on it right now, no, but yeah, it's yeah. got nothing to do with money. No. So. And then another thing is, is talking about the transgender part aspect of it. Jesus doesn't see a person as transgender or non-transgender. He can care less. We focus so much on it. Oh my gosh, you got to do this. You got to do that. He does not see that. He, he just basically sees a person that's hurting. This person was hurting, obviously to the point that they did something very bad or they have allowed the evil that's in the world to overtake them. And so Jesus desires to, to set them free from that. And so as a Christian, why would we bash on that? Why would we make that a big deal? You know, our heart is, okay, how could we approach this situation the way that God would approach it? And, and how do we pray? How do we lift up? How do we build up? How, do we, how are we there for them or, or whatever that is so that ultimately God's goodness, God is glorified and God is pointed to not cause more division, not put out posts on social media that's going to cause one side or the other to divide, not 
not put ourselves in a position to create a, a war, but how are we looking for peace? How are we looking for compromise? Maybe there is a discussion on, on, on assault weapons. Maybe there is a discussion on that, but let's seek the Lord in this. And then let's, let's come together and, and, and compromise and work together to see really what is the ultimate best thing that we can do. And, and that's not the main issue. The main issue is, are we humbling ourselves before the Lord? Are we as a nation seeking God with everything that we can? And if we're not, then let's not make those other issues the main issues. Let's make what really is happening. People, we need Jesus. And we need to repent of our sins. And we need to turn from our wicked ways. And we need to seek forth his, his face and all that we do so that he can heal our land, that he can restore Unto us, the, the salvation, he restored us joy and peace. We're lacking that. We're in pain, people. So, I don't know. Thoughts? Oh, Go that's ahead. good stuff, Pete. I mean, so often something evil like this happens, and it, that in itself is bad enough. And then it's the aftermath is just division. And that's not, that's not God. And, and you said it. I mean, you really put it in simple terms. The answer is Jesus. Yeah. And people are like, well, it can't be that simple. But it is that it really is that simple, but even Christians are afraid to say that they'll jump on, you know, uh, political issues and, and they'll address it that way. And they forget that the answer really is that simple. This is a person mm. who's just broken and we're surrounded. We're all broken yeah. and without Jesus, every one of us is broken. Yeah. So, you know, it really, the answer really is. Well, the world, the world is, doesn't understand when a Christian says, oh, I'll be praying for them, or I'm praying that God comforts the family, or I'm praying that God comes around. The world says, we don't need prayer. We need action, right? That's what they're saying. Yeah. And they're, they're negating that by praying is not action. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're completely, they're, they're saying, well, there is no God. So why would you pray to something that's not going to, he's not going to do anything anyways. He hasn't done anything to this point. So why would we pray to them? Why would we pray? If, there's a, if he's a good God, why would he not help these innocent children? Why would he not protect them? That's a whole nother show. Um, and we've done it many times over this show. Uh, if you go back to through a lot of our shows and the listeners that have listened for us for years know that, but. Um, I mean, if we could only see all the times that he has. Oh my God. But we're blind to it. And no, someday we'll see it. Someday we'll we know, just, I think. We have the concept of who God is wrong. And I think the world, if they can just know that the God that we serve is loving, he's gentle, he's kind, he's for us, not against us. Um, it, they just don't know that God. They don't see it. All they can see is the evil that's happening in the world. All they can see is the calamity that's going on. And, and you know, the Christians are not making it easy. So nope. if, if we're coming out saying ban assault weapons and I can't believe you're a transgender and this and this and whatever else they're doing, they need to stop. You're helping the enemy. They are. Just love people. Elevate others above yourself. Just speak life into people. Look for ways to bless them. Look for ways to pray that, that the Spirit of God would just come upon those people's lives. Just see it from God's perspective. Anyway, all right, let's move on. I don't, anything else you want to talk about that? Hold on. I no, don't want to I be think, a Debbie Downer. No, I, well, this is perfect yeah, because, yeah. you know, we want to turn <laughs> the, the title of our show today is Overcoming Our Pain with Joy. So yeah. I think that's a perfect segue but let's open up in prayer and we'll get okay. started heavenly father we just we just want to give you this show now as we uh, we dive into john 16 some more lord and just learn more about you father our our thoughts and prayers lord are just with the the, the folks in nashville and and uh, i just pray for the families i pray for all the people that have been affected and that have been hurt and and uh 
Father, we know there's evil in this world. We know this is not of your doing. You created a perfect world. This, this wouldn't happen in your perfect world, Lord. Uh, it's because of the fall. And uh, yeah, someday everything will be made new again, Lord. And uh, we, we look forward to that day. But we, Father, we know that you are the answer even today. And help us to just remember that. So, Father, we give you the show now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. We're going to be in John 16, verses 16 through 38. Um, we'll be reading out of the ESV version. Um, but before we do that, let's uh, do our opening statement. Yeah. So last week's show, The Geniusness of the Holy Spirit. What a great title, Pete. I love that. It was, uh, it was one of those awesome shows that, that the Spirit of God was moving radically. I knew he was. And, um, you know, we've actually had someone comment says I probably didn't say something completely right. But if I didn't, I'm sorry. And, and, and it's, you know, my heart's intentions are not to mislead anybody. Right. But- yeah. That's a good point, Pete. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, <laughs> we're far from perfect. We're yeah. just two guys, you know, having a conversation. And when Barry's here, three guys just having yeah. a conversation and uh, yeah, we're not, we're not going to get it all right. We're not experts in a lot of we, this stuff. We just try, we just want to be authentic. That's we want to tell you what we, you know, we'll tell you what we think, but we'll also share when we know something we, because we read it from the word of God. Oh, that yeah. We want you to know that that is true. We put the time in. So we're study, we work, we, uh, we, we unpack, we learn, uh, and we do the research. But we also, at times, when, when I think when we're speaking fast, or because the way we're doing it is, is a conversation. And yeah. so sometimes in conversation, it's not as polished as it could be. <laughs> Sometimes what's in our head doesn't come out of our mouth. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not that, you know, we're ever doing anything intentionally, but yeah. That's right. That's right. So if you haven't listened to last week's show, I highly recommend it's go back really and check, it, check it <clears throat> really out. Good. I think it was show 124. Yeah. Really go good. back and find that. So um, today we will pick up where Jesus left off and preparing the disciples for his departure from earth. This section of our reading will cover John 16, 16 through 33, which concludes the upper room discourse and focuses on the disciples' emotions. So remember, we first started this, uh, I think in John 15 or 14, is Jesus was in the upper room. Remember Judas Iscariot, he left. Yep. Now he has his 11. Now he's pouring everything into them. They get up from the table and they're walking and then they will cross the vineyard, right? And now they're headed up to the, the, um, the, the Mount of Olives. Of Olives. Mount of Olives. Yeah, I believe. And that's where they pray. Yeah. I'm learning. And you're trying to get, get me there. I'm trying. All right. No. All right. No, I was wrong. You're right. All right. All right. So the disciples, they're depressed, perplexed by some of Jesus' teachings and quite frankly, probably terrified. Yeah, they are. I mean, there's this is a, he's telling them things. They're like, wait, we've, we've, our last three years of our life have been consumed by you. We've been nothing but ministry. And now you're saying you're leaving us? <laughs> wait, what? Wait, what? And you're, now <laughs> you're saying all these weird things to us. It's, it is. It's, they're, they're, they are depressed, they're, they are perplexed, and they are terrible, so that we can relate to that, yep. and um, so we'll get into that. But it gives us hope to know that the disciples were real men with real problems, Amen. and yet Jesus was able to use them. Joy is a recurring theme in this section of our reading. That night, the 11 were not having much joy, <laughs> but what Jesus said to them eventually changes their lives. Today, we will see how tenderly and patiently Jesus explained to his people how they can have joy in their lives. Oh man, I love those two words you used, tenderly and patiently. Awesome. So Thank you, Jesus, for that. Let's, uh, let's, we're not going to read the whole chunk now. Let's read no. verses 16 through 22, and, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. So, a little while, and you will see me no longer. This is Jesus talking. And again, a little while, you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, what is this 
that he says to us, little while and you will not see me. And again, in a little while and you will see me because I am going to the father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, it's good to be God, right? You can read people's minds. Well, we have discerning spirit, though. We can tell. <laughs> Seriously. So if you're no, talking you're right. to somebody, sometimes right. we can pick up on things. That's true. But he's still God. So Jesus says, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. Her joy that a human being has been born in the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of a harder teaching, huh? So when you're looking at this a little while, what are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean a little while, right? He gives a good analogy, though. Yeah, and then he he takes it from a little while to a birth pains. And he's like, okay, wait, so birth pains, okay. And then, I mean, personally, they're probably still more confused. He's sitting there going, (laughs) what are you doing to us? Why are you doing this? And so they would definitely have to meditate and they would definitely have to kind of figure this out. But we meditated, we looked at it in context. We don't have the absolute answers. We're going to do the best we can based off our study. So let's just kind of dive into it. All right. We see here that Jesus gives his disciples something to live by. And that, and that is that God brings joy to our lives, but not by substitution, but by transformation. Yeah. So this is kind of what, what we're thinking is his illustration of the woman given birth makes this clear. The same baby that caused the pain also caused the joy. Mm. So in birth, God does not substitute something else to relieve the mother's pain. Today, we try to, we give them epidurals, right? So today we try to relieve some of the pain, but, but, it's, but God's point is that's not what's happening. He's allowing the pain to take place. There's a reason for it. There's a transformation for it. He uses what is there already um, but transforms it. So he takes the the birth pains, the the, the struggles, the, the you know sometimes the not lack of understanding what's happening in our lives. Sometimes the you know it's it's confusion, it's whatever that is. But if we just continue to press in, if we continue to go through it, if we continue to know the Lord, at the end of it, there's going to come joy, because God is ultimately in control, and that what He produces is fruit. What He produces is in this case, he's talking about a baby. He produces good things. All right, let's. Keep I bet going. Our, our our mom listeners can understand this a lot better than we. Oh, can. absolutely. Yeah, they, they've they've lived Abs- this. They've absolutely. Lived this. All right. Every parent knows what it is like to have an una- an unhappy child because a toy is broken or a friend had to go home. The parent can do one of two things: one, they could substitute something else for the broken toy or absent friend, or they could transform the situation into a new experience for that unhappy child. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the temptation is to shut the kid up, right? The temptation is, okay, what do I got to do? They put a tablet in front of them. They do something to keep them quiet. Um, Sometimes that's not the very best thing to do. Sometimes they need to work it out. So one of the things that I would do with my kids back in the days is, you know, I would never allow them to say, I don't know, or I would never allow them to quit. And I, and I would ask them questions so that they would have to work out their own salvation. They would have to work out the equation. 
So if something happened where something was taken away, I wouldn't just say, hey, let's just replace it. I would actually say, okay, well, what? let's talk about it. Let's discuss this. Let's, let's work this out. And as a little child, they don't get that. So yeah. you do your best, you know, a, a toddler, you're doing your best to talk in toddler language, right? But you're still doing the same thing. You're, you're not trying to appease one for the other. You're trying to say, okay, how do we transform? How do we grow in this situation? How do we look at it from God's perspective? That's really what he's saying. But if the mother always gets a new baby, a new toy for the child, each time a toy is broken, that child will grow up expecting that every problem is to be solved by substitution. Mm -hmm. If the mother always calls another playmate and invites him on, uh, invites him or her over, the child will grow up expecting people to come to his rescue whenever there is a crisis. The result either way is a spoiled child, right? The way of substitution for solving our problems is the way of immaturity. The way of transformation is the way of faith and maturity. We cannot mature emotionally or spiritually if somebody is always replacing our broken toys. So does that make sense? What's your thoughts? I mean, what would your, how would you take that or see that? Just try to relate it, I guess, to your own life. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, you know, some of my, some of my errors I've made with my daughter. Yeah. Sometimes you'll just it, the substitute and that kind of hit me hard. I'm like the substitution or transformation. Like how did that, you know, play in my, in my being a father with, with, with Sammy, I'm thinking, um, I got to do a better job of that <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> and I think it's not because you're it. right. You want to just solve the problem real quick. And, and, and we've really all, it's a band-aid. It's not, you're not solving the problem. We've all been there. You're so, creating a new problem. So this is not pointing finger at moms and dads and everybody else. Or even, no, it's just know. at me. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> we've all been there. But what Jesus is constantly, and again, take this back to the spiritual and, and every circumstance that we face is an opportunity to bring glory to God. Okay. Every circumstance, it's not every circumstance. Let's look for something to fill that circumstance to make ourselves feel better. It's, what is God saying? This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Listen, I'm giving you this il illustration to help you see this from my perspective. I am doing all of this so that you can grow closer to me, that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you could become more of a spiritual Christian. I'm not trying to make your life easy. That's not my goal here. My goal is to make your life holy. That's my goal. And that's the same thing that we're trying to do with our kids. Ultimately, we want them to walk holy and blame this before the Lord. We want them to learn to look to Jesus when circumstance happens, when our toys are broken, when our friends are taken away, when things don't make sense in our life. We want to learn to say, okay, God, what is it that you're asking? How do I walk through this? How do I go this? Instead of constantly looking for the substitution. We look for the substitutions in, in alcohol and drugs and pornography and and eating and in in entertainment and we can go on and on and on. That's where we look for our substitution. Oh no, this happened. Boom, let's substitute. God is saying, no, that's not a way of spiritual maturity. That's not what we do. So that's what he's saying. Did you catch that, listeners? Jesus is not trying to make your life easy. He's trying to make you holy. That's it. That's the bottom Man. line. Man, some of us have been lied to. We thought this was supposed to be a cakewalk. Cool. All right. So now that we understand the principle, we can better understand the problems and the questions of the disciples. In verse 16, Jesus announces that in a little while, they would not see him. This appears to be a, be a deliberately puzzling statement. It is. I mean, he's like, he didn't make that by mistake. He's like trying to confuse the living bejeebus out of it. The what? I don't know. I just made that up. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Living by Jesus? I'm not sure what I don't that know means. what that is. Yeah. That's funny, right. though. Jesus spoke in Proverbs, <laughs> and the disciples did not understand them. What did Jesus mean by this statement? Well, okay. So first and foremost, I'm encouraged by this because there are many hours that I read through the scripture to try to understand what is being said. And without trying to read into this, Jesus was possibly talking about the soon to occur events. So in connection with his death and resurrection, that's, I think that's the context. That's what it looks like if we start reading it in, in, in general. But after his burial, they would not see him for a little while, but then he would rise from the dead and they would see him again. That's, that's what it sounds like. And so he's trying to give him a little bit of encouragement there and saying, hey, I'm going to come back again. I'm going to be dead, but I'm going to come back again. So I think that's what he's trying to say. I mean, you know, there was other incidents where he told him straight up, oh, no, I'm going to rise up in three days and I'll come back. I mean, he's told him, but now he's, he's saying this, but there's more to this. It's just kind of like what we just talked about, the spiritual maturity. There's more to what he's doing. He had told them previously occasion that he would rise from the dead three days, but his words did not sink into their minds and hearts. So he's kind of taken this and he's um, expanding on it a little bit. I think he's, he's like stretching them a little bit. It's like he knows that his time is soon. So he's like, he's dropping a little bit more weight. He's dropping a little bit more um, here. We need to grow a little bit more guys. It's, it's it comes down. So let me just share a little bit more with you. So I think that's where we're going with this context here in the scripture. You know, part of me feels like it's almost like he, he wants to get this said to them one more time. It, and it's almost like it's for storage. It's like, okay, I want this in you. Oh yeah. So that when I do rise again, you're going to remember that I just told you this is what's going to happen. Like none of this is going to surprise you not going to be, this isn't tricks. It's not, you know, deception. I want you to know when I do rise that I told you this was going to happen. So they're not, you know, I know part of me thinks that that's part of it as well. Well, I mean, yes, because think about it with our kids. We're going back to the kids. How many times have we told our kids over and over and over and over and over again, you know, not to touch the, the hot pan, right? Not to get so close to the pool, not to, you know, whatever it is, right? The same thing with Jesus. He had to he had to remind his disciples over and over and over again of these simple truth. The same thing with pastors. Same thing with teachers. How many times have we said the whole thing over and over and over again, and we still look at the congregations like you guys are not getting it? What are you not listening? You know, it's it's like it's it's, it's dumbfounding. But that's kind of what Jesus has been. And we're sheep, right? We've talked about this many times. We're sheep, in need of a savior. We need help. He needs a shepherd. Help us because we're we, a little dumb sometimes. We do need a shepherd. Yeah. Amen. I think Jesus is also speaking about his return uh, to the Father. Yeah, that's true. This ties in with verse 10, because I go to my Father and you will see no more or see me no more. Yeah. The disciples did not live to see the return of Christ, but they did see him die and arrive in his glory. Yeah, they didn't see him come back again, to, you know, right? Because in the end times, it talks right, about Jesus right. comes back again, but they did see him in his glory. They, he, what, he couldn't stay for a long time. They could still touch his body, but he was in his majestic, he was in his new body, right? He was able to go through walls. You yeah, know? that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, so they want to do that. Yeah, so they got to see that part. That was pretty cool. But in comparison to eternity, the time that the church has been awaiting the Lord's return has really been uh, but a little while. Yes. The phrase a little while is used in the very sense of in Hebrews 10 37. It says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So Jesus had to go to the Father to set up the church phase. He sent his glory, his Holy Spirit to the church, and the church is carrying the word of his grace to the ends of the earth. And so that's, you know, basically what he's telling him in the context is, yeah, for a little while, but there's, I'm, I'm establishing a, a new covenant. I'm establishing 
uh, a new order, a new way of, of living, a new life, that everything is in me. You know, it's by my grace that, that you are now saved. It's by believing and trusting in me that all things work together for your good, right? And so he's establishing that. And so he's saying, in a little while, I'm going to set this up. And in a little while, I'm going to come back and take it with me. And so he's, he's telling them, and, and, and again, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. You're like, okay, wait, what? What are you saying? There's going to be a church? Wait, we're going to be your disciples? Wait, yeah. we're going to go and share this truth that you've told us to everybody? And then other people are going to be selling it to other buddy, and, and we're going to be doing this for a little while? So how long is a little while? And then again, we know the Bible, it says a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years in the kingdom of God. So we've definitely, what has it been, three days, two days, two whatever? Days. Yeah, two days, less than two days. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to comprehend the spiritual when he's talking in the physical. Yeah. So he's trying to tell them in the physical things that are spiritual. And we have to be very careful that when we read the word of God, to read it from the spiritual perspective, be careful not to get caught up as the disciples did. And we do also to try to figure it out in the physical. You're not going to figure things out in the physical. You have to learn to teach yourself how to see it from God's eyes. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Go back and listen to last week's show. You need the power of the Holy Spirit or <laughs> at section 124, whatever that was for that. All right, let's go on. All right. To the mother experiencing birth pains, every minute may seem like an hour. Our concept of time changes with our feelings. 30 minutes in a dentist chair seems like hours. Yes. To that. While hours of fishing or dining with friends may seem like a very short time, like a blink of an eye sometimes. People. Yep. The mother, the mother feels as though the birth is taking a long time when really it may only be a little while. But when the baby is born, the pain is forgotten and joy fills her heart. You know, it was my daughter recently had a baby and um, her birth, her, her, um, uh, whatever, labor, labor. labor was long. I mean, it went for 20 hours. Almost. It was long. And, um, and she struggled and it was trying, the, the pushing alone was over an hour and a half, two hours. It was long. I was standing outside in the, outside the room. Watching football. And uh, I did watch a little bit of football and, um, but I was listening and I heard, um, the, the, her pain and what she was going through. And I remember when the baby came out, I heard the, the, the cries right away. And oh my gosh, I just started bawling. But she says, oh my gosh, I did it. Look at you. And she just, I mean, my daughter was, I could not describe it. It was awesome. just unbelievable. But the joy that she had. And so when we read that, you know, men, men, we don't understand it nope. because we don't go through it. But I have experienced it from that perspective you have with with the baby, but the word today does not want Jesus or his church. So we have to understand the world today is anti. Look at what we just talked about with the Nashville uh, shooting. Yep. Yep. The world, the world in its evil mindset or the, the, the anti-God mentality does not want the church to succeed. It does not want anything to do with Jesus. It rejects Jesus. So the world is rejoicing while we are suffering. So in this world, we're going to face tribulations and trials. We're going to face all of this. And Jesus constantly kept telling his, his disciples, especially last week, that, hey, you're going, to, you're going to face this, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the advocate to help you. And in the midst of all of this, um, so the world is rejoicing while we're suffering, longing for our Lord to return. So I'm, I'm you know, when Paul says that to live is Christ and to die is gain, he got it, man. I, if yeah. I can, I'd rather go home to be with God right now. But I know that I got to live for him today. And so that's what I'm doing. So in Romans 8, 22, it says, all of creation is suffering birth pains because of sin awaiting his return. 
In Matthew 9, 15, it says, when the bridegroom is away, the bride mourns, but in a little while he shall return and we shall go with him to heaven to enjoy the father's house. While the immediate application may have been to the sorrowing hearts of the disciples, the ultimate application is to all of God's people as they wait the coming of Jesus. It seems like a long time, but God does not measure time as we do. Yeah. So what's your thoughts? And Well, I, using the, the birth analogy, you know, we're going through trials and tribulations. Now it's all going to be forgotten when Christ comes. Yeah. It's all going to be gone. Because Jesus went to be with the father. Okay. He now completed the, the work. You know, he lived the perfect life. He died in the power, the resurrection power resurrected him from the dead so that he can be at the right father. And then he sent the Holy Spirit, the advocate to live inside of us. But now because of that, we now have um, the resources, the grace, the tools to be able to live um, a life in the midst of a fallen world, where before um, the fallen world, we didn't have all of it. We are now more equipped to be able to live with the persecution. So Jesus is basically saying the world is the birth pains, right? The, the world is, is wanting us to die. The, you know, Satan's goal is for us not to share the good news of Jesus to anybody. His goal is to cause division in our marriages, to cause division in our families, to cause division in our ministries. His goal is to get us to worry, to doubt, to, to fear, to have anxiety. Um, that's his goal. And if he does that and we believe that, he wins, right? Those are the tribulations. Those are the birth pains. That's part of it. And what Jesus is saying is that I have overcome all of that and that we can take heart and know that in him, we can do all things through Christ strengthens us. We can have joy. We can have peace because we no longer are looking at the world as our home. We have something to look forward to. Yeah. One day he's coming back again. Amen. One day he's taking us to live with him for all eternity, where the Bible says there is no more pain or suffering. We are, we are now complete in him and all of this bad stuff, the birth pains are gone. All right, let's move on and read the next section. Verses 23 through 33. Got it. Verse 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, ah, now you, I don't know where that accent came from. I liked it. <laughs> I guess that's a Middle Eastern accent. I don't have no idea. Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you come from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? <laughs> Big old question, right? Right. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, 
I have overcome the world. I, yeah. Boom. I can't wait to talk. Mic drop right there. Just so grateful. For All Jesus. right. So the central theme here, Pete, is, is prayer. Yeah. Verse 34 says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. It is important to note that the text uses two different words for ask, although they could be used interchangeably. Yeah, the word used in John 16, 19, and 23a means to ask a question or to ask a request. It is used when someone makes a request of someone equal. So like if you and I were talking or so forth. But the word translated ask here in verse 23b, 23 means to request something of a superior So this latter word was never used by Jesus in his prayer life because he was equal with the Father. We come as inferiors to God asking for his blessings, but he came as the very Son of God equal with the Father. So we have to understand when we're approaching God, when we're approaching the Father in prayer, you know, we really should come broken and contrite Mm. before him. We should come with honor. And and humility and, and humility. And I think sometimes we're like, hey God, yo, God, what's up? You know, and I hear that a lot. And and you know, I th- I think the teaching sometimes was, hey, you know, he's your friend. You could just talk to him like normal, any other friend. Yes, it's true, but he's also still God. Yep. And 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 I think there's a reverence there. And I think that, you know, we're his creation. We didn't create him, he created us. Um, you know, we we didn't choose him, he chose us, you know. So there's there's that whole thing. And so understanding the context, I think you really do want to just give him glory. So, all right. So Pete, question for you. Right. In verse 23, it says, uh, in that day, what period of time do you think Jesus meant there? This is another one of those, like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think he's referring to the time after the coming of the spirit. So he promised them in, in John verse 22, that he would see them again. And then he kept his promise. Remember? I mean, he said, I'm going to come back. You're going to see me in a little while. So I think it was two parts. One part was, yeah, he's going to see him in their glory. And then there's another part. They're not going to see him because they're going to be dead and he's going to come back then again. So I, I, I think he's referring to the coming of the Holy spirit there in Acts two. So that day cannot refer to the day of his return from his church, because there's no evidence in scripture that we shall pray to him after we get to heaven. So Again, we, we talked about this in the last show. The Holy Spirit then comes in the Pentecost in Acts 2 and in, empowers the church, empowers the, pe- the, the, the people um, to know the things of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is one of the main reason, things of the Holy Spirit is to point us back to Jesus, help us learn the things of Jesus. And so I think he's referring to the coming of the Spirit. So okay. that's it. All right. Jesus mentions prayer many times in his teachings, and he had set the example for prayer in his own life. He was indeed a man of prayer, and here Jesus is making it clear that a believing prayer is one of secrets of the is one of the secrets to the faithful Christian life. Yeah, how many times in my past have I prayed, but did I really believe? <clears throat> so I think a lot of it, maybe sometimes with uh, healing, right? And so somebody needs to be healed. Now, I know that God can be healed, but there's a lot of people that have prayed for people's healings that never seen somebody get healed, right? Well, I think that the reason being is because, for one, we're not seeing it from God's eyes. We're, we're not seeing the totality of what the healing is talking about. It could be talking about physical healing. It could be talking about spiritual healing. It could be talking about emotional healing. It could be talking about, um, you know, uh, something that happened in their life for healing. We don't, we sometimes lose context of it, but I think what happens is, 
sometimes we don't believe. Sometimes we just doubt. Sometimes we just don't have um, we don't have the authority of what the word of God says. And I, I believe that God is telling us, you need to know the word of God. So the word of God is in you, that you have boldness, that you have authority in the name of Jesus. And so when we are praying to the father, we're not praying on our own uh, abilities. We're not praying on our own authority, or our own understanding. We're praying on the authority of Jesus Christ. We're praying with the understanding of knowing God's word and God's truth. And so we can pray with full belief. We can pray with full boldness and authority because the word of God says it. And I think what happens with Christians a lot of times is um, we don't know the Bible in context. Sometimes we take the Bible out of context. And I think that's caused us to have unbelief because we don't know the, the full counsel the way that we should. Um, you know, popcorn Christian, you know, we know this, 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 and then we make, you know, we make the scripture fit our narrative. And, and I think that that's where, that's where Satan can confuse us. And I think that's where there's sometimes there's unbelief. So we have to just, you know, I said a lot there, but just got to understand that, you know, when we are in the truth and we are speaking the word of God in prayer and we're coming to the father in reverence and admiration, but we're coming to him knowing what the word of God says, we can proclaim that with belief and understanding that he will answer the prayer. It's not for your glory, but for the glory of God. And if you're doing that the proper way, as Jesus was teaching us, when he constantly, when he prayed, he taught us how to pray, then, then yes, God answers our prayer. Yes, we can have belief and our lack, our unbelief is what's hindering so much in our life. We don't have that union, that connection with the Father. We don't have intimacy. Mm. Father doesn't know us. We don't have that conversation because we have unbelief. And, and that starts with, with us not knowing the word of God. We don't know the Father. So start with there. Start there. Know the Father, and then your prayers are going to be answered, and then you can have full belief in faith. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us to help us understand the things of God. In prayer, we must put ourselves in a position to walk in the Spirit. The world does not have access to the Father, but the believer in Jesus does. Jesus wanted his disciples to know that by him going to the Father, they will always have access to him. They will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue on the work he has laid before them. And so that's the other reason why we have unbelief is we make things about us. We have to understand we were created for his glory. He chose us, set us apart for him. And, and it's never about what we feel, want, think, or, or, or whatever. It's always about what is God doing in our life and how are we living our lives so that he is glorified and that we have everything and we have peace. We have joy in tribulation. We have wisdom. We have knowledge in, 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 in positions or situations in our life that are confusing. And, and we have the word of God and we have truth. And so we can pray to the father and the father's going to listen. That is the thing. I was just reading in Deuteronomy this morning about um, which one was that? It was Moses I'm trying to think of which prophet was it? And it was, it was Moses. And he was saying that, you know, he was up in the, uh, getting the tablets for the Israelites and he, and he comes back down and he had smashed the tablets and, and, and he says, the God's anger was really hot against you and that he was going to smoke you all. He goes, but I pleaded for you and God listened to me. It's 
And, and so that's the same thing with us. If we know the word of God, we can plead with God for our friend that's going to go do something very stupid. And God might not might listen to you. And it's like we have a relationship with a friend and we have to know that, but he's also our God. And we did a whole show on that. And this is kind of a, this is kind of the back end of, of that show that we did previously talking. About. Right. And so many good points in there, Pete. Yeah. You know, what really stood out to me is the fact that we just need to know the word of God, that we don't, you don't pull pieces of the scripture out, it, out of context to make it fit what you want it to say. Yeah. Cause you can do that. Everybody could do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's 2000 pages, right? You can pull things out to fit whatever you want, but you've got to know the word of God and you've got to know it in context. All right. When you read the book of acts, you discover that the early church depended on prayer. They believed the promise of God and asked God for what they needed. It would do all of us good if we, if we reviewed regularly what Jesus is teaching his disciples here about prayer. Jesus is clearly laying out the case that there is, a, that there is great joy in praying and in receiving answers to those prayers. I mean, how amazing is it? You know, one of the things that, you know, we're going, I'm, I'm going to India and it's, there's a cost to go to India. I have to, you know, I'm going to serve and, and, and preach at a pastor's conference. And there's a, um, there's an expense to that, but God put it on my heart. He says, listen, I'm, if, if, it, if I'm for something, I'm going to provide. And so I, instead of you trying to figure out how to figure something out, why don't you just cast your cares and your burdens onto me? Why don't you just be still upon me? And why don't you just let me be God of your life? Right. And, and I've done that so many times in my life, right? I've, I've learned this over times that I can't control everything that I have to I have to trust the Lord and, and, you know, and I have to ask the question, if my prayer to glorify myself is my prayer ultimately to glorify God. And if it's to glorify God, then I know that God's going to answer my prayer. And when God answers my prayer, how much joy do I have? It's unspeakable. But what happens if I take that situation and I get on the phone and I start calling all my rich friends and I start calling all these people and man, I work it really, really hard and say, Hey, I'm going here. I'm doing this for them and guilt trip them or whatever I do. And I go and I do all of these things to try to earn that money. And then I get the money. And I was like, Oh man, thank God for that. Do I have the same joy as I did when I just surrendered to the Lord and let God be God? No, I don't. And so that's what God is saying. So my faith hero, George Mueller, who said, a true prayer was not overcoming God's reluctance, but overcoming God's willingness. There is joy in prayer, and there is joy in realizing the principle of transformation. Jesus, in essence, had to go to the Father to birth and empower the church. The way he connects with the church is through prayer. And because of this, we can still experience the great joys of having fellowship with, the, with Jesus. He still hears us and answers us. And so in my situation, what I have learned over time is that there's a lot of things I need to let go and let God. And in prayer is one of those ways that we can do it. And God will answer the prayer. You just have to trust him. You have to make that a consistent part of your life. George Mueller never asked for money and he, he earned millions and millions of dollars by God putting on people's lives to send money to him so that he could do the work of God. And it's the same thing with us. We want to trust him to supply all of our needs. All right. Well, that's, that's really good, Pete. Yeah. We read a few minutes ago, verses 29 and 30, and it says, the disciples suddenly moved out of their spiritual stupor and made a tremendous affirmation of faith. They claimed to understand what Jesus had been teaching them. Though this claim was prob uh, presumptuous. Prob 
Say that again. Yeah. Presumptuous. <laughs> Keep speaking it. Say it. I can't say it. Claim was probably presumptuous as their subsequent Thank actions you. proved. Awesome. Um, you know, it's those are one of the things when we put that in, it wasn't, it's not that we're that smart. Um, we put it in a grammar check, you know, when we write and the grammar then takes some of the words that we say <laughs> and it makes us sound better. So thank you, Lord. Yeah, just know that we're not we we don't have yeah, sometimes, but not always. Anyway. Um, yeah, they were bewildered. I like that word. The Bible used it, so I'm going to use it. Um, even after his resurrection as to as the future of Israel, um, I have many moments when I declare God's truth for my life to only not believe or understand what's going on when a circumstance comes. We've talked about this in context. There's, I Sometimes you just have to simplify things. Sometimes we look at the circumstances in our lives and we just don't understand it. And we want to fix it. We want to make it bigger than life. And God is constantly telling us, you know what? Simplify. Just be still in my presence. Uh, trust me. Surrender to me. And just be obedient in what you know. And whatever that is that we know, that is where we're supposed to fit in. And, and, and that is the simple truth. But when we do that, we can then have joy. If we try to fix the problems, we're not going to have joy. We're going to have heartache. We're going to have misery. We're going to have questions. We're going to have all kinds of things that are not for us. But if we just simply rest in God, be content with what God has given us, surrender to him and, and worship him in, in prayer and adoration, then we will have great. And so everybody on this and listening to us now can relate. To every one of us face problems. Every one of us have issues. Every one of us have confusion. Every one of us have circumstances in our life. And I'm telling you what Jesus is telling you is to be still. He's telling you to simplify. He's telling you to see the truth in it. He's telling you to see things from his perspective. And he's telling you to rest. And he's saying, trust me. I got this. And have joy. Just trust him. Stop trying to fix the problems. Just trust. All right. Trust me. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap up with this one. Jesus gave this message to his disciples because he wanted them to have peace in the world of tribulation. Note what Jesus said when he said, in me and in the world. In Christ, there is peace. In the world there is tribulation. There is the portion we need to claim. This is the portion we need to claim for ourselves. We are in Christ, and therefore we can overcome the world and all of its hatred. Kind of going back to how we started this whole podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, before that, we talked about there's an app, the, the disciples finally affirmed that Jesus was um, um, going to be uh, that he, they finally said, yeah, we believe God. We finally understand it. We believe, you know, and they understood that. And then he's like, but really do you? Because then he gave him a, another answer. And he says that you're going to deny me three times. And so sometimes we say that we believe, but then sometimes our, our relationship. Do we really? Do yeah. But so, yeah. So Jesus has given the message to the disciples. You want them to have peace in the tribulation. There was a, uh, an artist. Uh, his name is George Morrison. He um, was an Indian artist. I think he died in 2000, but he has some really famous pieces. Um, but he had a lot of quotes too. And I was just, I was looking him up and just researching some of his quotes. But one of the quotes he said really got me. He said, George Morrison, he's defined peace as a possession of adequate resources. So I meditated on that. So define peace. Uh, how do you define peace as a possession of adequate resources? So people think that if I have a bunch of resources, I have a bunch of things that I have peace. That's kind of how they defined uh, peace. But in Jesus, we have all the resources that we need. We don't need anything else. So, um, but, uh, the, but we have all, but peace depends on also the appropriate relationships because spiritual resources depend on spiritual relationships. And me 
is the key, what Jesus says. In ourselves, we have nothing, but in Christ, we have all that we need. Every believer is either overcome or an overcomer. Is either overcome by something and by circumstances, or they overcome it. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Right. And so that is why we're able to have victory in this world. That's why we're able to live with authority. That's why we're able to live with power, because it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So every believer is either overcome or overcomer. The world wants, us, wants to overcome us. This is why Satan uses the world to persecute and to pressure believers. The world wants us to conform. It does not want us to transform. When we yield our lives to God, he enables us to, do over, to be overcomers. There is joy when we permit God to transform sorrow into joy. There is joy when God answers prayer, and there's joy when we overcome the world. And so that's what we talked about today. We can overcome our pain through our, with joy, and, and, and it makes no sense to the world. But to a follower of Christ, it makes absolute sense. God loves you. God cares for you. And God deeply wants to have a relationship with you. That's right. And, and God says that he's the author and finisher of faith. God says that he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He knows everything. We can trust him with our everything. And, and he says that he gave us the advocate of the Holy Spirit to help us navigate the landmines that Satan puts everywhere in our life. Um, we have to understand we don't battle against flesh and blood. You know, there's evil out there. As we talked at the beginning of this show about the Nashville thing, there's evil, there's, there's persecution, there's, there's an enemy that's trying to destroy the world and the church. And we know that in Jesus, we can overcome all of that, that we can get through it, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And if you're listening to this and you have never given your life to Jesus and you're not an overcomer, that you've been overcome by the world more than anything else, today is the day to do that. Today, all you need to do is just bow your heart and just profess in your mouth that Jesus is Christ, that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that he died and rose again on the third day and that he is now, um, he is now going to be your God. And then the Bible says that from there, just start living for him. You know, you, you, you go, you get involved in a church, you go, you open up your Bible, you, you find Bible studies, you reach out to people that can help connect you with people that will help disciple you and get you, um, it gets you going, you know, and that's one of the things, if you've given your life to the Lord and, and you're wanting to know the next steps, call us, reach out to us. We will do whatever we can to help get you connected. But the bottom line is that you just, you need to pray. You need to say right now, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord, help me. Help me to learn your ways. Help me to repent of my sins. Help me to, to, to walk the way that you desire me to walk. And Lord, help me more than anything else to trust you as my God. And in that, you just pray in your heart. You know, many of you might be listening and you might already be a believer, but maybe you're not walking in a way. Maybe the, the world's overcoming you right now as well. And you believe in God and you believe in all these things, but maybe God is telling you to repent. Maybe he's telling you to be still in his presence. Maybe he's telling you to say, stop trying to fix everything. You're a control freak. Stop it. God says, let me be God of your life. Be still in my presence. Let me love you. And so that's what God is. So Bob, how can we get, how can they get a hold of us today? Yeah, you can reach out to us. Um, probably the best way is just go to our website, theriotpodcast.com. Got lots of tools and resources for you there. Um, you can find out uh, just 
probably answer all the questions that you have. But we also want to encourage you to go to our social media sites, go to go to Twitter, go to YouTube, uh, like and follow us. And if you're listening to this podcast and not watching it, I would recommend you check us out on YouTube. And uh, when you get there, you've got to hit that like button, hit that little bell so you're notified every time a, a new podcast gets released. But uh, Pete, this has been an amazing, amazing show. Look forward to, uh, you know, what's coming next. But uh, man, if you would, if you're listening to this, share it with somebody, you know, whether it's your, your, uh, your podcast, if you're listening on Apple or Android, wherever you're listening to it, just share it, you know, send it, send it to some friends. Say, hey, listen to these nut jobs. And uh, (laughs) it'll, it'll be fun. And it makes Pete laugh when I say that. So guys have an amazing week of worship. Um, Easter's coming and uh, what a good, amazing time to just celebrate our, our risen King. Be blessed guys. We love you. This has been the riot podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the riot podcast.